touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I had a blast doing the show yesterday. I had so much fun. We talked about Major League Baseball, Craig Council, the Packers, the Brewers. It almost felt normal. Almost. It almost felt like we're close to getting sports back. Talking about the NFL season around the corner and hopefully baseball will be able to make its return. The news wasn't great yesterday, but it appears in the last 24 hours. Testing's been a little bit more reliable. The results have been a little bit more promising. So that's good news. That's positive. But yesterday, we skipped over the biggest news of the day. And other than COVID, it might be the biggest story of the summer. That's Patrick Mahomes getting his new deal. After being in the NFL for only three years, playing for only two, winning an MVP and a Super Bowl, really should have been to at least two Super Bowls. Maybe would have had a shot to win it last year had D4 not gifted Tom Brady and lined up offsides. What's new? After only three years and two years playing in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes gets his new deal. And as we've talked about a couple of times in the last few weeks, especially as it pertains to Dalvin Cook, that's how it works. If you are an exceptional player, if you are a one percenter, meaning you're drafted and you're one of the best players at your position, you get that new deal after three years. That's what Ezekiel Elliott got. That's what J.J. Watt got. That's what Jamal Adams and Dalvin Cook are trying to get. Well, Patrick Mahomes got it done yesterday, and this deal is Big, big. So let's talk about this deal. What I think might be the biggest sports news of the summer, at least news that isn't related to the pandemic. And we'll talk about what it means for the Chiefs and the rest of the NFL. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. And you're listening to WKTY. I hope you're having a good night. I don't know if it's storming outside. Uh, It looked pretty dark the last time I was at a window. The WKTY studio, for as beautiful and wonderful as it is, uh, doesn't have any windows. So it could be hurricaning outside. I have no clue, but I do get a couple weather alerts on the desktop. Uh, Maybe that means we'll finally get some colder weather. It feels like we've been living in a microwave for two weeks now. So I'd be down for that. Hope you're enjoying your night. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to do a top five list. We're going to do a top five Tuesday. That's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, We're going to talk Packers. We're going to do a top five list as it pertains to the Packers coming up uh, in about 10 or 15 minutes. We're going to talk to Ryan Giannone who is the big man in charge when it comes to broadcasting the lacrosse loggers who are back in action, right? They're, they're actually playing baseball games. No major league, right? No amateur old-style baseball. The Milwaukee Milkmen had to shut down this weekend, but the loggers and the Northwoods League, they're figuring it out. So we'll talk to Ryan Giannone coming up at about 5.30 and get some details. Maybe if you're interested in going down to Copeland Park, what that's going to look like. Should you bring your mask? Where should you sit? Right, Or maybe you're not comfortable going to the ballpark yet, and I wouldn't blame you. How can you watch or listen to the loggers from home? We'll get all those answers and talk a little baseball with a good friend of the show, Ryan Giannone, coming up at 5.30. I want to start with the biggest news of the summer. Well, other than coronavirus, because that's dominated just about every news story. This is something completely separate, not related to the pandemic at all. Patrick Mahomes' New Deal. I'm going to put it in really basic terms, because I'm not an economist. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a contract expert. So I'm going to speak about it very basically. It's a 10-year extension that's worth about $450 million. All in all, that's 12 total years when you tack on the two years that are remaining on his rookie contract. And if incentives cash in, 
this could be worth over $500 million, which would make it a half-billion-dollar contract, which is pretty incredible. $63 million due at signing. There's $83 million in signing bonuses uh, from 2021 to 2023. So he's going to get a lot of this money up front. Even though the deal is 10 years, 12 years total, he's going to get a lot of money up front from signing bonuses and guarantees of, of that sense. He gets a lot of incentives, one of which is winning MVP. The year-to-year numbers on this contract are insane, especially when you get out in 2030, 2031. Because a player would never sign a 10-year deal if that 10-year deal didn't take into account rising revenues, rising TV revenue, and a rising salary cap. So by the time that this deal reaches 2030, 2031, if he is not released or traded or cut or it's not restructured, he will, in 2030, make $50 million. And in 2031, he's going to make $52 million. That shapes out in the final year of this contract, shapes out to be a salary of $38 million, a roster bonus of almost $14 million, and a workout bonus of half a million dollars. This is a huge deal. And because it's so long, there are a lot of details and things that change from year to year. I don't want to focus on that today. I don't find that interesting. You could spend a whole hour breaking down the logistics of this contract. I wouldn't enjoy that. I doubt you would enjoy it. In fact, when the news broke yesterday on Twitter, I'm refreshing and I'm reading, trying to get details. How many years? What's the money like? You have all these experts, these Twitter warriors that are coming in and they're all like, well, you got to wait and see the details, man. Not e- n- n- no use in even trying to figure this out yet. It's like, you know what? Shut up. All right. This is the first sports news that isn't related to COVID. Shut up. And we're going to enjoy this. We're not going to get bogged down in contractual details and qualifiers and signing bonuses. Just shut up and let us be happy for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs after winning their first Super Bowl earlier this uh, this spring or late last winter. Just let us enjoy it. We don't need to get bogged down in the details. So I don't want to get bogged down in the details today. It's the most interesting piece of news that isn't related to COVID maybe in the last couple of months. And I was very happy to focus on that yesterday rather than the latest number from the La Crosse County Health Department, or the latest story from the CDC. So numbers aside, guarantees and workout bonuses aside, what does this contract mean? What does it mean for the Chiefs, and what does it mean for the rest of the NFL? Well, in the short term, I hear a lot of people talking about what this contract means for Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, because they're the next two quarterbacks that are up for an extension. Dak Prescott may play under the franchise tag this year, Maybe, unless they reach an extension by next week. And Deshaun Watson is reaching that juncture in his contract as well, where he's due to get an extension. And I hear a lot of people claiming that this Patrick Mahomes deal is going to skyrocket the value of Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. The average annual salary of Patrick Mahomes is about to be $45 million. That puts him in front of Matt Ryan, who's making 30. Russell Wilson, who's making 35. Aaron Rodgers is making 33. So is Jared Goff. He's a step above. He just reset the market yesterday. A lot of people think that that's going to impact Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. I really, really like Deshaun Watson. I like Dak Prescott. Not as much as Deshaun Watson, but I still like Dak Prescott. The idea that their value now all of a sudden changes because Patrick Mahomes got a payday, that doesn't make sense. Patrick Mahomes got paid. That doesn't make Dak Prescott a better quarterback. That doesn't make Deshaun Watson a better quarterback. Patrick Mahomes got paid because he's Patrick Mahomes. Dak Prescott cannot all of a sudden tell Jerry Jones, look, uh, Patrick Mahomes got $45 million. Time to pay up. 
Because Jerry Jones would turn around and say, well, if you want $45 million a year, then how about you be Patrick Mahomes? Right? He did reset the market. He set a new benchmark. But until there's a quarterback as good as Patrick Mahomes, which isn't going to happen anytime soon, that doesn't mean anything for Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott. What are they going to, are they going to jump over Patrick Mahomes? Is Dak Prescott going to ask for more money than Patrick Mahomes? No, absolutely not. He is an exceptional player and therefore he signed an exceptional contract. Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott are good quarterbacks. Neither one are exceptional. Although Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes have a lot in common uh, being two incredible quarterbacks that were passed over by the Chicago Bears. So they do have that in common. Although I don't think it will balance out their, uh, I don't think it will equal their salaries. I don't think Deshaun Watson's all of a sudden going to make 45 a year just because he, like Patrick Mahomes, was also uh, skipped over by the Bears in favor of <laughs> in favor of Mitch Trubisky. Apologies to any Bears fans that might be listening. That's what it means in the short term. What about in the long term? It's fascinating. You don't see quarterbacks signing 10-year deals. In fact, Dak Prescott, who's been looking for a new contract for, what, a year or two now, he wants to sign a two- or a three-year deal so he can hit the market again while he's in his prime. Dak Prescott's not trying to sign a 10-year deal. But maybe... Just maybe, because Patrick Mahomes normalized it, normalized signing a 10-year deal. Maybe Deshaun Watson says, you know what? I really like it in Houston. I really trust this organization, and I'm okay signing a 10-year deal, which Deshaun Watson should absolutely not do because Bill O'Brien is not Andy Reid, and the Houston Texans are not the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's an interesting thought, right? Maybe Maybe the next quarterback, let's say Jordan Love really hits it off when he becomes the starting quarterback at Green Bay. Turns out to be a great quarterback. He loves it in Green Bay. Green Bay loves him. He might say, you know what? I'm going to sign a 10-year deal. I trust Green Bay to put the right pieces around me and, and to treat me fairly by signing up for 10 years. I think a 10-year deal is, is an exception. I don't think it's going to become the normal, but it is interesting because baseball, you have the 13-year deals. The NBA, you have like guys like LeBron James sign a one-year contract to hold the franchise accountable. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard really are only signed up for two guaranteed years. They could dip after two years. After the season after this one, they could be out. The NBA likes short contracts, baseball likes long contracts, and football's always been in the middle. Although Patrick Mahomes just might have done something, might have normalized a long contract. Just maybe. We talked about the short term, talked about the long term. What about Kansas City? What does this mean for Kansas City? I'm not trying to be a over-the-top Packer fan. I'm not trying to make everything about the Packers, but Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid right now remind me of the 2011 Packers. If you turned on the TV today and yesterday, what, what were they talking about? How many Super Bowls? What's the over-under? Will Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid win two more, three more, four more? They will be the next dynasty. Mahomes is saying, look, I like Kansas City. I don't want to leave. I trust them. I'm not going to be greedy. Let's win some Super Bowls. And everybody today is asking, how many will they win? How many will they win? I'm not saying Kansas City's done. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying they're not going to win more Super Bowls. But the first thing I thought of today was Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers after Super Bowl 45 because everybody said the exact same thing. The thought of Aaron Rodgers only getting one ring in 2011 was absurd. If you would have came up to me in 2011 and said, hey, Grant, Aaron Rodgers is only going to win one Super Bowl. I'd be like, you're high. You are high and drunk. But that's what happened. That's how it played out. Nobody saw that coming, just like nobody pictures Patrick Mahomes never winning another Super Bowl. We're so quick to try to anoint the next dynasty. Dynasties almost never happen. Seattle went to back-to-back Super Bowls and haven't come close since. 
That's the closest thing we've had to a dynasty other than New England in the last 10 years. Philly, the Rams, Matt Ryan, and the Falcons all made one Super Bowl. None of them have gotten close again. We get carried away when teams win Super Bowls. And and Mahomes is better than Goff, Wentz, and Matt Ryan. But we thought the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. Young, best quarterback in the league with a great coach and a great roster. Watch how many rings they'll win. And the Packers never made it back. The responsibility to contend is now with Brett Veach, the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, as the responsibility was put on Ted Thompson. The idea that a team can't pay a quarterback top dollar and contend is crap. If anybody ever tells you, well, it's impossible to win with a, with a high-priced quarterback. No, it's not. Half of an NFL roster is rookie contracts, cheap players. That means you got to draft well. If you have an expensive quarterback, it's very possible to win, but you need to draft well. You need to hit your picks. Ted Thompson did it early, then started to struggle. Brett Veach and the, and the Chiefs have done a good job so far, but if they start to tailor off, it's going to be tough. It's all about drafting the right players. So when we come back for our Top 5 Tuesday, I thought we would look at some of the best Ted Thompson draft picks post-2011. Meaning, after the Packers won the Super Bowl, who are the best players that Ted Thompson drafted to try to give Aaron Rodgers a chance to contend? We'll talk about that and talk to our friend Ryan Giannone about what's going down at Copeland Park with the lacrosse loggers, all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out, tuning in. We're going to talk lacrosse loggers and the return of baseball in the lacrosse area coming up in about 10 or 12 minutes with Ryan Giannone, who's in charge of all their TV broadcasts. And because they're only allowing about 50% of fans into Copeland Park, those TV broadcasts are now more important than ever. We'll talk to him about what's going down at Copeland Park. If you are interested in going to a game, what you need to know. And if you'd rather stay home for now, that's awesome too. But how you can tune in on the radio or on the TV, we'll get those details and talk the return of baseball with Ryan Giannone coming up. He's at Copeland Park getting ready for first pitch. So we're lucky to get him for a few minutes coming up uh, in about 10 or 15 In honor of Patrick Mahomes' new deal, and in remembrance of the post-Super Bowl Packers, meaning 2010 and on, I thought we'd do a top five best draft picks. Kind of a look at the second half of Ted Thompson's tenure. Ted Thompson was a general manager from 2005 to 2017, and the window from 2011 to 2015 was so crucial because that was after the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers got that big contract in 2013. So it became So important to nail those draft picks to keep talent around Aaron Rodgers that was cheap and that was affordable. Because once Aaron Rodgers got paid and a couple other players got paid after that Super Bowl, there was less money flying around. You couldn't just go out and get a free agent. You needed to draft guys that worked. So I thought we would celebrate Ted Thompson and the good draft picks that he made after that Super Bowl. Remember, NFL rosters are about half players on their rookie deals. They are key to contending with an expensive Quarterback, meaning at the time and kind of right now, 30 to 40 million dollars per year. That's 30 or 40 million you don't have to spend on free agents. So those draft picks got a hit. So let's count them down. The five best picks that Ted Thompson made after Super Bowl 45. Here we go. I factored in where these players were selected, what their scouting report was like coming in out of college. You may agree, you may not agree. You can let me know. 608 796 2558 on the five star telecom talking text line. Okay. 2011 and beyond, after the Super Bowl. Number five, Mike Daniels. I love Mike Daniels. I've talked about that before. 
if he's playing football this fall and he's able and healthy, I would love for the Packers to bring him in for depth on the defensive line. He was picked in the fourth round in 2012. He was named a top 100 player in the NFL by his peers twice in 2016 and in 2017. Bull rusher, run stuffer, double team eater. He was really, really important along that defensive line. From 2014 to 2017, he started 62 of 64 games. He was available. At least until about a year ago when the Packers let him go, and then he ended up on IR last year. But in his prime, quote-unquote, he was available. 62 of 64 games. And he recorded 172 tackles and almost 19 sacks in his time with Green Bay. Number five, that's the fourth round defensive lineman out of Iowa and former wrestler low pad level, Mike Daniels. That's number five. Number four, Micah Hyde. Fifth round pick in 2013. I went back and I read some notes and some scouting reports from before the draft on Micah Hyde because we know what Micah Hyde is now. But what did people think of him coming into the draft? By a lot of people's estimations, he was ranked 20 to 25th among cornerbacks. He was not highly ranked among his peers coming out of college. Most sites and most scouts had him projected as a sixth round pick. Now, he went in the fifth round, so the Packers took him a little bit before he was projected. In his time with the Packers, he had eight interceptions in four years. He was a smart player who mostly was flexible. And this is where you got to give Ted Thompson credit. If we're going to rip him for always drafting players and, and trying to fit them in, Right? What was the cliche? Do you hear it? I still think you hear it once a day on the Bill Michaels show. A square peg into a round hole. If you're going to rip Ted Thompson for that, then you got to give him props for this pick because nobody thought Micah Hyde was a great corner. Nobody thought he was an upper round pick. So Ted Thompson took him and said, all right, you're going to play safety and corner and slot corner. We're going to move you all over the place. You're going to be our versatile defender. And he was great. He was awesome. He forced turnovers. He he had a nose for the ball, and he was so good at diagnosing a play and making a play. Remember that interception against the Cowboys in the postseason where he just straight up jumped her out? He just knew what was coming. You could tell he watched tape. That was Micah Hyde. And Ted Thompson, for all of his flaws, trying to outsmart the competition and drafting safeties to play corner and drafting three-technique linemen to play defensive end, like this is one he got right. Took a corner that no one was high on, and saw that he could play safety and slot corner and do all these things. Number four, Micah Hyde. Number three, Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, 2011 second round pick. He had 44 touchdowns in his time with the Packers, and at least early in his career, was a weapon in the return game. Go back and watch Super Bowl 31, and then try to tell me that that doesn't matter. Try to tell me that an explosive electric kick and punt returner can't help you win games. Such a valuable part of your team, if you can get one. And they are rare. They're tough to find. Randall Cobb, at least early on in his Packers career, was great. He also filled a role that Ted Thompson was never quite able to figure out, and that was the tight end position. And I don't completely blame Ted Thompson for this because he had Jermichael Finley, and Jermichael Finley got hurt. That's not Ted Thompson's fault. But after Finley, Thompson really struggled to find that tight end for Aaron Rodgers, that security blanket, that big threat to stretch the center of the field. He never really found that guy. They had Jared Cook for a year. If they could go back, they'd probably re-sign Jared Cook instead of trying Marty Bennett and then trying Jimmy Graham. Randall Cobb kind of filled that void. He was great when the play broke down and Rodgers was scrambling. He was a security blanket, even though he was a slot receiver, not a tight end. 
incredible pick. He was a great Packer for a long time and a, a fan favorite, if that matters to you. It matters to me. Might not matter to everybody. Number three, Randall Cobb. Number two, we're talking best draft picks post-Super Bowl 45 for Ted Thompson. This is the mission of Brett Veach and the, and the Chiefs. Now that they've signed Patrick Mahomes, they got to draft well to keep talent and defense around Patrick Mahomes now that he's expensive. Number two, David Bakhtiari. Fourth round pick in 2013. You have to give Ted Thompson a ton of credit for the 2013 draft. He missed a lot, but the 2013 draft, he knocked out of the park. After Dayton Jones in the first round, who didn't really pan out, you have Eddie Lacy, David Bakhtiari, J.C. Treader, Micah Hyde, and Jonathan Franklin in there as well. Jonathan Franklin was a good running back. He got hurt. I think he would have been a great Packer for a couple of years. I think he could have, him and Eddie Lacy could have been a great backfield. Eddie Lacy was great. Jonathan Franklin got hurt. That 2013 draft was awesome. The Packers really were kind of struggling to find their left tackle after Clifton retired. Clifton played left tackle for about 10 years, Chad Clifton. And although he loved jumping off sides, he was a great left tackle. The Packers found his replacement after two years of Marshall Newhouse. And David Bakhtiari not only is one of the best left tackles in the league, but he also fits well with Aaron Rodgers because they like to move protections around. They like to slide the pocket left to right. And David Bakhtiari is mobile and fast and quick. Fits perfectly with Aaron Rodgers. Great draft pick. And a draft pick, I don't know if anybody expected to pan out. We were talking early in Bakhtiari's career. We're like, well, you're going to have to pay him a lot. Is he worth it? Oh my God, he was worth every penny. And I would imagine that Brian Gutekinds and company are looking to re-sign him this offseason or, or next as he approaches unrestricted free agency in 2021. All right, number one. Ted Thompson's best draft pick post-Super Bowl 45. Kenny Clark, baby. Kenny Clark. First round pick in 2016. This was Ted Thompson's parting gift to Green Bay and to Packers fans. He drafted Kenny Clark when Kenny Clark was 21 years old. And naturally, it took him time. If I could, you could draft me when I'm 24, 25. I still wouldn't be ready to play on an NFL roster, let alone at age 21. Got to grow into your body, mature physically and emotionally. And Kenny Clark came along slowly. But 12 sacks the last two years. And he's really become one of the best defensive linemen in the league. And here's the thing. Players like Kenny Clark are invaluable right now. There's not very many of them. Every team has drafted or paid top dollar for an edge rusher. Edge rusher, edge rusher. Got to get an outside edge rusher. And they're great. Darius and Preston Smith are great. Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin are great. But an interior lineman who can put pressure on the quarterback is invaluable in today's NFL. Because offensive coordinators have figured out how to deal with the great edge rusher. Bring in a tight end. Slide protection. We'll put a running back in the backfield to help block. You can deal with an edge rusher. You can't deal a nose tackle that's going to bull rush your center every play. There's nothing you can do about that. Ask Vikings fans. Kenny Clark whooped Pat Alphaline again and again and again and again for eight straight quarters last year. Nothing you can do with him. Same with Aaron Donald. Same with Fletcher Cox. Same with Grady Jarrett. There's no answer to dominant interior lineman who can rush the passer. Kenny Clark needs to be re-signed. He was Ted Thompson's best draft pick post-Super Bowl 45. And I don't know if he saw this coming. Interior linemen have become invaluable the last couple of years. When when he drafted Kenny Clark, I don't know if that was the case. Maybe that was Ted Thompson outsmarting everyone and looking ahead. Or maybe that was Ted Thompson just getting lucky. But Kenny Clark, the best draft pick post-Super Bowl 45. There's your top five picks. We'll do another one next week. 
I love doing lists. I do a list every day if I have to. It's a great way to fill time. And fun to look back and to try to remember some of the best draft picks or my favorite players, play the coaches, whatever. Lists are fun. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Ryan Giannone from the Lacrosse Loggers. He's in charge of their TV broadcasts. I want some details on what Copeland Park is like right now. If I'm trying to go to a game, what do I need to know? And if I don't want to go, how can I watch from home? We'll talk to baseball in lacrosse coming back with Ryan Giannone, lacrosse loggers, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Hit up our website, WKTYsports.com. Click Win Stuff. You can't miss it. All capital letters. Win Stuff. Click that. Get signed up to win a four-pack of tickets to the Lacrosse Speedway. Comes with food and drink. It would be an awesome social distancing activity for you and the family, for you and some friends. Be outside. Be spaced out. And it would be free. Sign up. WKTYsports.com. Just click Win Stuff. So we're going to talk to a friend and a recurring guest. He is at News 8 in town. He's now killing time directing things uh, for the TV productions of the lacrosse loggers. That's Ryan Giannone. He joins us from Copeland Park. So, Ryan, what's it like? I'm very jealous just to be around, like, baseball again, to hear the bat hit the ball and to hear the glove and the ball just get that nice smack noise. Like, what's it like being around baseball again? That's got to be awesome. Well, Grant, first and foremost, Always a pleasure being on your show. Appreciate uh, it. Coming back as a recurring guest, it's one of my favorite things, actually. But, yeah, <laughs> I feel very fortunate because, uh, like I said, I, I feel very lucky because I feel like I'm one of the only people in the United States that gets to get some live baseball here, you know? Like, we have the loggers in action here. They're 3-3 three and three right now in the year, and it just feels great to be at the ballpark. There's this energy opening day we had. 1,300 people show up here at Copeland, so it was it was a great night that day. It was July 3rd. They opened up the season, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been uh, all sunshine and rainbows ever since. I don't know what it is. I, I like going to NFL games and baseball games yeah. and basketball games, but going to the ballpark has a different feel. It feels like a fun activity rather than if I go to a Bucks game or a Packers game, I feel like I got to strap into my seat and 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 lock in at a baseball game you can kind of kick back enjoy the music in between innings it's it's a different feel and i'm and i'm hoping to get to copeland park before too long i, I want to share with my listeners ryan kind of what it's like at the park right now so if, if i have a listener or, or maybe even myself i wanted to come see a logger game obviously you guys have protocols yeah. in place and and social distancing guidelines all that stuff as much as you can what do i have to know if i want to come see a game so what's the oh. uh, i hate myself for saying this what's the new normal like at copeland park yeah, exactly. Well, the new normal here at Copeland Park is, well, first and foremost, when you walk in the gates, you have to do a temperature check. So they got the, you know, they have the scanner that checks your temp. And if you're high, obviously they do a double check just to make sure. And then if, I mean, if you're high again, they, they might send you home, obviously, but safety first. That's mm-hmm. the thing that they have insured at this ballpark. I'm here three and a half hours before the game ensuring that my equipment's up. So I see all the precautions they take. And let me tell you, Copeland Park is one of the safest places to be right now if you want to catch a game because they this staff takes excellent care of the park right now. They they actually have staff members wipe down every almost every seat, every railing. I'm watching them. They come out here. They do that. There's space seating. They only allow 50% capacity uh, for the uh, stadium itself. So, you know, right around 3,000 people are going to seat, and 1,500 is about the max that they'll allow. So, yeah, it's it's a great time, great environment for a ballpark, and they're taking the precautions. So, 
you can't ask for much more there. And, uh, yeah, it's just been excellent altogether. And I've, how they've handled it, this organization has been above and beyond everyone else that I've seen. Well, and it's not surprising because the loggers can continue play, right? We're seeing professional sports teams right now, Major League yeah, Soccer. Yeah. They can't get it figured out. Uh, old-time baseball in Chicago and Milwaukee, they tried to restart the Milkmen, and they weren't able to get it done. So I just think it speaks to your staff and, and what's going on uh, at Copeland Park. Let's say that somebody wants to enjoy the loggers. Like, they want to support the team, and they want to enjoy baseball, but they're just not comfortable being there yet. Like, how can we tune in to your television broadcast? Like, how can we watch... Well, really, your product because you're in charge of the TV broadcast. How can we tune in? Yeah, absolutely. There's obviously there's the radio stream that that goes out, which is one thing that you can listen to. But there's also a TV alternative, uh, which is on my end. Uh, there is obviously you have to get a subscription with the Northwoods League, but you get mm-hmm. some good action. I mean, you get all the games then on the season, and you can watch it that way. There's plenty of games going on and. Right now with the loggers, they're playing more regionally. So, like, you have a few teams tonight we're welcoming in the Green Bay Booyah. And obviously with the Northwoods League, we got teams all the way up to Canada and all over. So it's a big league. So we got the Green Bay Booyah, you know, the Rapids, Raptors. Uh, we'll go down even to Rochester a little bit. Uh, so, or, or Rockford, excuse me. And then, so, like, there's that whole regional thing, which is also another safe aspect. But, yeah, those are the two options. If you're not comfortable coming to the ballpark, you can yeah. obviously watch the video stream. And then... Uh, there is the radio option as well. Yeah, and, and we try to cover the loggers the best we can. WK2iSports.com, you can get the latest news there. I like. I hope to go to the ballpark pretty soon. It seems like the safer alternative, obviously, compared to a bar or a restaurant right now, especially if you're eating inside. So you guys have first pitch tonight. Who are you going to play? Who you got on the hill? Like, Give me the rundown. Give me the scouting report. Yeah, absolutely. So tonight we got... Well, we're three and three, welcoming in the two and four Green Bay Booyah. Uh, Loggers opened up the season actually. They opened up with three and zero, oh, and then they've actually dropped the last three. So they're trying to get off the schneid here, if you will, mm-hmm. and get back into the win <laughs> column. Uh, Green Bay Booyah, obviously, like I said, two and four. Uh, they've also gone through their up and downs on the season. So you know, it's just a great night for a ballpark. Or great night to be at the ballpark and yeah. for a game because we were looking earlier. We got here, and boy, it was rainy, and now the sun is shining. You cannot. Ask for a better night. So even if you are thinking about coming down, head on down to Copeland. Get out here. It's going to be a good night for a ball game. And uh, I encourage you to as well because, like I said, the safety precautions are there, and they go above and beyond every you know every night for a game. So to ensure that the, the fans here uh, feel at home and feel safe. So Yeah, you bet. And I'm hoping to get down there soon. So the loggers first pitch uh, just after 6 o'clock tonight. And by the way, I know you're a Cubs fan, and – I'm I'm sorry I got to tell you this. 6:35 Early, by the way. 6:35 is the first pitch. 6:35 first pitch. I'm sorry to yeah, tell you this. Yep. We were talking about Patrick Mahomes earlier um and yeah. I just had to bring up the fact that the Bears, you know, passed him for Mitchell Trubisky. A lot of people forget about that, so I have to remind people every once in a while. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Cubs. So, Major League back, Baseball is coming back. You're a Cubs guy. How do you think the Central yeah. is going to go this year? Like who's who's winning the Central? Well, you know, I think I I got I'm banking on the Cubbies winning the Central this year. I think uh but like we've talked, we've had conversations. Oh, you know, yeah. we're no, we're no strangers to that. I think it's <laughs> going to be close. You know, one through five in that division, though. I mean, you think it could, it could very well be with the limited season that they do have, oh, five six games apart. That that is very likely, and I think that's something that can happen, and I think it will happen. Uh, but like I said, anytime you got Christian Yelts, you never know. So I he has got a lot of respect in my eyes, and that's an obvious take, obviously. But he. <laughs> 
that, you know, I, I think the Brewers are going to be right there with them. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be awesome. But I'm just going to be happy to have baseball back. You won't see me complaining. No, I'm, I'm not going to complain. 60 games is, is better than no exactly. games, which looked like exactly. a, a possibility just a couple weeks ago. So we're excited to have the yeah, loggers look. back. We're going to get down to the ballpark before too long, and I appreciate you giving us uh, some insight and some details on, on what's going down at Copeland. Enjoy the game tonight, Gio. Hope you're well. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good rest of your show. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks again. That's Ryan Giannone with the Lacrosse Loggers. And with News 8, he just he's kind of everywhere and everything. We check in with him every once in a while. So, yeah, you got to get the Northwoods League subscription. I like watching, uh, what is it? Oh, what is it called? Is it called Northwoods Weekly on Fox Sports Wisconsin? And I know if I'm talking to Brewers fans here, you already have Fox Sports Wisconsin one way or another, whether you subscribe through cable or, I don't know, you got YouTube TV or something. Northwoods League is kind of a fun little wrap-up show they do once a week, and you get to look in at all the clubs. And First of all, minor league baseball in any capacity, AAA, single-A, Northwoods League, summer league, like it's awesome, and the teams are awesome, and going to a game is a blast. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be an experience, not just a sporting event that you go watch. It's a, There's a big difference between going to a Packer game and going to even a Brewer game or a Logger game. If you get to a Packer game, you're strapped in. You're focused. I'm holding on to the bleacher and I'm holding my breath with every play. Baseball, you can kind of stroll in, walk around the concourse, maybe get a bag of popcorn. You might miss half an inning here and there. It's not a big deal. It's baseball. It's summertime. Baseball is a good kind of boring. It moves slowly. It's enjoyable. It's leisurely. It's a pastime. They call it America's pastime. It's not the same with football or basketball. This summer, the pace is going to be a little bit higher just because there are so few games. So maybe it will feel intense and stressful and 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 honestly urgent. Every game matters. Every inning, every pitch matters. So this summer with baseball is is going to be fascinating to compare to other years because 60 games to 162, that's a big difference. Loggers are playing a truncated schedule as well, so we'll see what they're able to, to cook up. As Ryan said, they're on a, on a couple-game losing streak, so they're trying to get off the schneid. Back in the wind column. Very well said, Ryan. You can follow him on Twitter at Gianobli for all the latest that's going on with the loggers and really everything else that man is on top of. When we come back, well, there's a couple things we could hit. Uh, I haven't decided yet. The Brewers released their schedule yesterday. There's some NFL news that's not related to Patrick Mahomes, related to that team in Washington that just can't figure out whether they want to change their name or not. We'll talk a little bit about everything coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports. <laughs> Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. And as our friend Zach Heilprin from the Zone in Madison just said, maybe, just maybe, things between the players and the league, the NFL, maybe they're about to get a little hairy. Maybe. I hope not. But J.C. Treader, former Packer and high up at the NFL PA, did release a statement yesterday on Twitter. He said, the NFL's unwillingness to follow the recommendations of its own experts will put this season and the safety of all players at risk. This year must look differently if we hope to play a full season and crown a Super Bowl champion. It's funny J.C. Treader came up because we were talking about Ted Thompson's best draft picks after Super Bowl 45 earlier on in the show for our little Top 5 Tuesday segment. 2013 draft, which featured J.C. Treader, was just loaded with good players that Ted Thompson was able to find, except for their first-round pick, Dayton Jones, Eddie Lacy, David Bakhtiari, J.C. Treader, Micah Hyde, and Jonathan Franklin. And I'll have you remember, do not forget, Jonathan Franklin was having a good season. He was a good running back, and then he got hurt, and he had to retire. 
That, that That's one of the best Packer draft classes in history, in my lifetime. If Jonathan Franklin works out, and what if they would have actually drafted someone good in the first round other than just a kind of an okay rotation player on the defensive line in Dayton Jones? That was a hell of a draft class. It is interesting that J.C. Treader says, this year needs to look different. We need to do things differently. We need to make changes. Because you have J.C. Treader saying that, and then meanwhile you have John Harbaugh saying, how are we supposed to be socially distant? We're playing football. None of this is going to work. So I I hear what J.C. Treader's saying, and I hear what John Harbaugh is saying, but they're completely contradicting each other. I, I don't think players and coaches should be able to complain out one side of their mouth and then complain about, like, they're complaining about the same thing from two different angles. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't complain that the NFL's not looking out for your safety while also complaining that social distancing at a football practice is impossible, right? Like, you're either with it or you're not. And it seems like coaches, the players, they're a little bit split. Either way, nobody's happy. <laughs> like, what's new in 2020? Nobody's happy either way. So that's a story we're going to have to follow. Hopefully things in football don't get as ugly as they did in baseball. I can't imagine that. But they got some things to figure out. This is becoming a, a, a real issue for the NFL. This is the first time they've had to con- confront coronavirus. Other than moving their draft online, which they did a wonderful job with. They did a great job with that. But other than that draft, the NFL really didn't have to worry about this. Because their season wasn't disrupted. Their playoffs weren't disrupted. They've just been chilling. But it's July, and things are about to get very real. So hopefully things don't get real in a combative way like we saw in baseball and for like all of five minutes in basketball with Kyrie Irving just being Kyrie Irving. So what should we talk about to end the show today? A couple things going on this week. The Washington football team, the R-Words, are, I guess, actually maybe possibly going to change their name. I don't know how Daniel Snyder can launch an investigation after FedEx asks them to change the name and after Nike takes all of their merchandise off their website. I don't know how Daniel Snyder can say, hey, we're going to do something about it and then do an investigation and turn around and say, now we're fine. Like, I don't don't think that can happen. I think the outrage would be too big. So I'm assuming they're going to change their name. I don't, look, I am not a Native American. I'm not a First Nation person. I can't imagine what that name means to them. I think it's pretty dumb that we have one of very few professional football teams in our country, in our nation's capital, nonetheless, named as a racial slur. Like, I don't care who you are, what your background is. Doesn't that seem pretty backwards? So you can call me a snowflake if you want. It doesn't offend me. I just think it's stupid as all hell. That's It's not offensive to me, right? I'm sure it's offensive to some. I just think it's dumb. And I think we can give some people in our country who are offended by it, I think we can give them the time of day and maybe change the name. Sorry if that's controversial. Uh, the Brewers schedule was also released yesterday. And we had some leaks. We knew they were going to open the season against the Cubs. We knew they were going to close the season against the Cardinals. We knew a couple things, but now the details have come out. I'm not going to read you game for game the schedule, although that would be a good way to kill a half hour. Maybe I should save this for tomorrow's show and we can just win lost the <laughs> we can win lost the Brewers schedule. Um, but a couple interesting details. They're opening the season in Wrigley against the Cubs. And seven of their ten games against the Cubs are at Wrigley. Now I understand scheduling this year is difficult because Logistically, you have to make it all work. They're realigning things. They're only playing games within their own division and the American League equivalent of their division. So not everything can be perfect, but this reminds me of what happened with the Bucks last year. When the Bucks played on Christmas Day and they played in Philly, despite Philly not getting past the second round of the playoffs the year before and the Bucks making the Eastern Conference Finals, 
and the Bucs being the one seed and having the reigning MVP. What right did Philly have to host that Christmas Day game? And you might be thinking, Grant, geez, it was six months ago. Get over it already. No, I no, no, I won't get over it. This, this is important to me. This matters to me. This is this is principle, right? It's a matter of principle. Last year, the Brewers made the playoffs and they schooled the Cubs down the stretch and got hot and finished their season strong while the Cubs fell apart and fired their manager. Why do the Cubs get to host opening day? I know it's insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And I know Cubs fans, by and large, fill up Miller Park anyways. But it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of principle. Why did the Cubs get to host that game? Why did the Sixers get to host the Christmas Day game? So sick of my teams not getting to host important games. The Brewers are better than the Cubs last year. The Bucks were way better than the Sixers two years ago. And, and now we're going to reward the inferior team by giving them a home game? I Look, and Wrigley Field is awesome. They got the IV and it's a thousand years old. Yeah, I get it. But, but does principle not matter anymore? The Brewers were better last year. Made it farther. They should get to host that game. Just my, just my thoughts. Sorry if it makes me sound like an old man. Uh, we got to wrap up the show. I got to go outside and yell at a cloud. Tomorrow, we're going to continue our conversation about the return of baseball, return of basketball, and whatever else comes up. Maybe Dak Prescott will sign. We can talk about that for an hour. Same time, same place tomorrow on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.